What a pleasure it is to be up here with you today. As Brother Zach hands out the um, handout, uh, I wanted to share with you that um, Megan wanted to join track. She did volleyball, and she was excited by the teamwork and the camaraderie and being together with people. And so she she came home one day and said, I want to run track. That's the next thing, the next sport that they're doing uh, at her school. And so she said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to I'm going to run track. And and Megan is is not unathletic, but I wouldn't I wouldn't pit her up against too many other people when it comes to that sort of thing. And so I said, you know, Megan, you've just you got to push yourself. You got to run hard. And she said, Daddy, I bet I could beat you. I was like, well, you know, calm down. Because uh, I don't think so, but uh, you know, we'll see. She well, let's race. And I said, well, maybe not today. We'll we'll race one day. And so we were at home the other day, and and she said, uh, and Kelly said, I thought you guys were going to race because she brought it up again. And and Megan goes, yeah, let's race. Let's do it right now. It's late at night. Late at night. Uh, I've been sitting watching Levi for a while, and she's like, let's race, Daddy. Let's race. I'm like, all right. So we go outside. Um, to the front. It's dark. The street is smooth, though, because they just repaved it. And, and so I said, all right, we're going to walk up the hill, and we're going to run down the hill towards the house. So we get up there, and she's all excited, and she's bouncing, and she's ready, and I'm stretching, and I'm warming up. And we get to the starting line, and I said, all right, ready, set, go. And I take three steps, and pop, my, um, I pulled a muscle immediately immediately so she's running i mean she has taken off she has no idea what i'm doing i'm hobbling that's what i'm doing i'm limping because it it just from from the calf down it's just it felt like a rubber band just snapped and so i'm i'm hobbling down and kelly was waiting or asking us to wait but we started and so she's coming out the door and i hear her say where's daddy um and I, you know, I, I wave at her from the 40 miles that I am away from the house and, and slowly but surely finally get back there and, you know, ice it and do all these things. And uh, I went to a, a chiropractor to talk about it a little bit and got some advice and stuff. But I'm, I'm still in pain, but more emotional pain from having lost <laughs> to my uh, not unathletic daughter. Um, but it's good. It's good because I know um, it has taught me a lesson not to be stagnant and, and sitting all day long. Uh, it's a reminder to, that I'm getting old, but to, to work out and to continue to exercise and, and do all the things that I need to do, um, but, but I know it's going to be okay. The, the Lord is doing something unique in, in this time. I, I, I spoke a couple of weeks ago and shared with you that, um, you know, this is a, it's a difficult time for many people, the holiday season is, because of just what goes on in the family, and, and depression usually hits around this time for many people, the lack of sunlight, all those things, right? We, we talked a little bit about it. Um, but I, I had the rare opportunity to talk to our saints in France through Saints Radio, and so I've been teaching them on, on Bible study specifically. How do you study your Bible? And I shared with them the, the three 
basic CAD. There's more. There's different ways you can do it. But the three basic ones, which is you take a paragraph and you study that paragraph and then you expound on it, right? And then you take from that paragraph, the second one would be um, more of a, a topical study. So there's a lot of topics in that paragraph. So I'm going to pull out some of those topics and we'll go and study those. And then that, that last one is that deeper dive, the Greek. And then you study the Greek word for that particular topic or word, and that gives you a more exposition from that. And the last one, uh, the one I spoke on yesterday, was on the derivations of those specific words. So I started with the, uh, which, which is on your sheet right here, but Ephesians chapter 6, the armor of God, and we, we talked about how you could just study that paragraph and, and break it down. And then you, you would take those topics that, that are inside that paragraph, the armor of God, in this instance, and, and you would study that. And then the, um, you would take those words that are associated, the Greek words that are associated with the armor of God, um, salvation, righteousness, etc., and study those. We studied specifically histemi. I wanted to talk about histemi because it's something that's been on my heart for a while now. So we, we took histemi, we talked about it um, many Saturdays ago, and then yesterday I, I did the same study for them that I did in Sunday school uh, a few weeks back, which is the derivations of histemi. So we talked about epistemi and peristemi and all the, all the word histemi that, that we could find. And, and we talked about them and how you study the Bible and how those precursors mean certain things and how they expound on the histemi and the standing, et cetera. And it was, a great, it was a great time with them. I loved being with them. It was great to talk with them and see them um, all over Zoom, all being translated. Uh, it's dark over there. It was light over here. It was just, it's just an interesting and unique experience. But, but this, this idea of, of, of standing... Um, someone posed a question, and they said, tell us a little bit about warfare. And, and is this particular word, antistemi, talking about warfare? And, and the answer that I gave, I feel, was incomplete. Um, but I said, no. With the antistemi is not necessarily attributed just to warfare. There's so many different ways that it shows up. And we'll talk a little bit about them here. Um, but, I said, but I said, no, it's, it's really about resisting and standing, and then we talked a, bit, a little bit about it. Today, I, I want to dive a little bit deeper because there, there is a component of warfare with anastemi, but, but it goes beyond what that really is. And, and I want to be clear, I'm going to spoil it, the spoil the end for you at the very beginning here. The, the one thing that you are battling against, the, the main concept of warfare is about disconnecting you from your purpose and from God. That's, that's warfare. The disconnection of who you are, who you're called to be, what God wants from you. The enemy putting that in your life is warfare. That's, that's the battle. That's what you're fighting. Because if he can take you out, physically, spiritually, mentally, whatever it is, if he can take you out, you're no longer a problem for him. And, and I hope you, you understand and see that, right? His goal is just to take you out. For some people, that, that take out is, is physically, right? Then you're unable to uh, be at church or be in the location where you need to be to minister to somebody or, or whatever it might be. So there's a physical component to that. He, he wants to take you out spiritually. He wants to keep you from doing your spiritual job by giving you um, 
battles within yourself of I'm not worthy or God doesn't speak to me or, or whatever it might be. And then there's that whole mental, emotional component. That's where the depression comes in. We talked about that today. All those things that come against you uh, in the mind, the enemy wants to keep you, disconnect you from the heart of God. Every single one of us, that's, that's his goal. When we think about heaven and hell, heaven is a connection. It's a presence with God, and hell is that that uh, separation. That's, that's really all hell is, is a separation from the presence of God for eternity. So, so looking at what warfare is and how we go about it, um, we can see what God wants to do through us, to us, in us, and how he can propel and support us. I, I love hearing about churches joining the Saints Network, not because it's about padding our numbers or, or showing how great we are or anything like that. What it really comes down to is someone has connected themselves with what the heart of God is for the saints. That's what it is. So, so you can see what, what the enemy wants to do through disconnection and, and causing division and diversion in the church is anti the saints. Think about that. The saints network is here to bring us together. All churches bring us together, not, not under one leadership. Pastor's not out there trying to say, hey, everybody, come follow me. What he's saying is the Lord wants something from and for you. Come join that. And, and all we're doing is, is we're, we're walking on this walk together. All of our churches that are part of the Saints Network are autonomous churches. They can do whatever they want. Uh, now, within reason, we, we have conversations with these pastors about what they believe and why they believe it, and they, they come under a covering, but, but they don't belong to us. We don't govern them and tell them how to run their terio. What we do is we support, we connect with them. And so the enemy, his, his goal, his design to disconnect church and the individual is what causes this division. So we are here to connect. We're here to bring people, um, number one, in right relationship with God as, as ministers, but two, bring them together as saints. So, so we start here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. We're going to read it because I, I think it's important to have this foundation, and, and you all know it. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand antihistemi in the evil day, and having done all, to stand histemi. I'm not going to do a teaching on histemi. We've had that. I've done that before as well. Uh, we have many resources that talk about standing and what it means and, and where God has placed you. We talked about the cross and the histemi and how important that is. I want you to see here that word withstand is the word antihistemi. It's, it's where we also get that, that anti is where we get antichrist, right? It's the opposition to standing in this context, but the opposition to Christ in that context, antichrist, antihistemi that you may be able to withstand in that evil day. I think it's also important, we're going to point this out and talk about it later, the whole armor of God, that word armor 
is uh, panoplia, which comes from two words, pasa and hoplon. Um, Pasa is basically everything, all, whole. That's where whole comes from. And then hoplon is the word armor, but but it's translated elsewhere as tool or instrument, uh, weapon. So we're we're what we're really seeing here is when it talks about putting on the instruments of warfare. The instruments are the armor of God. We've taught on the armor of God. I probably will teach again on the armor of God at some point in time. We're not going to do that today. But I, but I want you to see is the foundation of what we're talking about with spiritual warfare, the weapons of warfare, which is armor being able to withstand or resist what's happening, and how, which will be the message of the day, how we resist or, or stand against those things. When we talk about withstand, um, I wanted to show you this scripture because, because we talked about it the last time I spoke. In Galatians chapter 2, but when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him and his stemmy to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that, certain came from James. He did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. Excuse me. So you'll remember when I was up here last, I, I gave you a picture. I believe it was at the seminar. I gave you a picture of the book of Acts. and We went through the whole book of Acts and, and the story of, of the apostles and what they did after Jesus left, uh, how they were kind of lost. They found them their way with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon them. It became a comforter. It became a guide. And they began moving in the Spirit through so many different things. You see Peter uh, in his journey. You see Paul, beginning of his journey and his ministry. You see them um, ministering. You see them fighting against the enemy, their spiritual warfare, physically and spiritually. You see all sorts of different things in the book of Acts. If you haven't read it in a while, read it. It's an amazing book. But they're going through all this stuff, and then at one point in time we see, uh, I don't want to call it a downfall, but you see the decline of Peter in his spiritual journey and becoming more religious and less relationship-focused. Um, and, and I say that not because I, I disparage Peter. I I look up to him. I think, I think he was an amazing character, uh, an amazing individual who, who struggled with his relationship with the Lord. He came out of a very staunch, Judaistic uh, appreciation for religion and, and religion um, that caused him to revert back to it. It caused him to, it caused him to fight in a way that he was accustomed to, not in the way that Jesus was teaching him to. Are you with me so far? So Peter was doing all these things, and all of a sudden you see him start going back to Judaism and, and away from Christianity. And Paul was raised uh, by God at this point, blinded and then brought into salvation. Paul was raised to fight that. He was also a staunch Jew, but, but his was a, an experience that, that could not be denied, and, and so his, his radical change into Christianity allowed him to say, everything that I have believed is wrong, and I have to reevaluate those things that I'm believing. So we're going to talk about Peter a little bit more later, because you're going to see pictures of this in his relationship with Jesus as well. But, but we see it here in Galatians, because it's that same word, resist. 
Levi, um, cutest baby in the whole wide world, is at a place now where he's, he's you know, he'll be two in a couple of months. Um, so, you know, people think about the terrible twos and a child trying to um, understand his world, set boundaries, push those boundaries, and see how far he can push them. Well, he's starting that a little bit. He, he has a fence. I say he, we have a fence in the living room so that he can't go into the dining area or into the kitchen, right? Because there's a lot of crazy stuff in the kitchen. And so we've got this fence that separates the, um, the living room where he can play and has all his toys and the kitchen area. And, and so he'll go up to that fence, and because it's not really secured to anything, he, he has discovered that he can push it. And, and it just separates away from the wall, and so he'll drag this fence as far as possible. And, and we have to reprimand him. You know, Don't do that, buddy. He also loves to, um, we have a, a cabinet there, um, a TV, what's it called? Some, it, it has doors. And thank you, entertainment center. We've got an entertainment center, and it's got these doors. And he loves to just take the door and slam it open and slam it shut. He loves that sound, so he'll take it and clack, clank, clack, clank, and he just does it over and over. And, and it's got two opposing doors, so he'll do one, and then he'll go over and he'll do the other one, and then he'll slam this one, he'll come back and he'll slam this, and he just does that back and forth. And, and it's going to damage it eventually, so we have to tell him to stop. Um, so I, I, have, I have come to a point where, like, Levi, no, and he'll look at me slam and I'll say Levi don't do it and then he'll turn away from me and he'll do it again and so it's come to a place now where he doesn't stop until I stand and I and I tell him no obviously forcefully and then he'll look at me and he'll start to cry and he'll come and give me a hug and he'll be very um sorry that he did this, and, and then he'll go back and do it again a little bit later. <laughs> but, but there is a, there's this level of him not recognizing or, or not wanting to recognize the boundary until I have stood in that place where I mean it, stop it. And, and that's what I think about, see the story had a reason, that's what I think about when I see this word anthistemi. Because he, Paul, withstood, he resisted the devil. He wasn't just sitting back and writing letters. He wasn't just saying, hey, that, guys, I, I don't know about that. I'm going to give you a good argument. I'm going to give you a good argument for why that's not true. He withstood Peter to his face, and he said, you're wrong. You're wrong for doing this, and you're wrong for causing them to have to go through all this. And, and later we find that Peter conceded and allowed um, Gentiles to not have to go through all the rigor that Jews have to go through, right? There was a very good uh, execution or, or collaboration at that point in time, but he withstood him to his face, this antistemi. Same with Levi. He, I, I withstood Levi and, and his capacity or, or his wanting of, of this destruction to continue to do it. This, this word, again, while I wholly don't believe that it's wholly about spiritual warfare is a big part of what warfare really is and it's standing and resisting what is happening in your physical body in your spiritual mind 
or spiritual life in your, and then in your mind. So, so we have weapons of warfare, right? Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons, hoplon, this is that same word that's used with the armor, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. This casting down of imaginations is really about the mind. And, and so I, I would submit to you today that the first weapon of your warfare is your mind. What you think, what you believe, how you go about with that belief, and what you believe God is doing in your life, what your purpose is. And, and I would ask you this, this would usually be the concluding question, where are you today? Where, where is your spiritual heart? Where is your mind at when it comes to the things of the Spirit? There are so many um, contradicting and, and compelling things coming against you every single day that are associated with this world because we are in this world. We're physically here. We battle those physical things every single day. We battle the things that come against us in the media. We battle those things that come against us at work or at school or wherever you might be. We battle these things every single day, but it's our mind that's the one that's at war. We get attacked physically. We get attacked uh, spiritually and mentally, but it's our mind that's at war. Matthew 17, and Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, the mind, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goes out not by, not out, but by prayer and fasting. I had a, a wonderful conversation with Imani uh, the other day. She was watching Levi. Uh, I came into the room, and we started talking about prayer and how prayer changes things and the power of prayer and, and what God does with prayer. And I said, you know, Imani, I believe that, that prayer, although it, it, uh, prayer works, obviously, but, but what prayer is really working at is our heart, our mind, and what we are doing about the situation that we're in. What, when we think about prayer and asking God and, and the prosuke and the thanksgiving, the four, talked on, taught on this several months ago, the four different types of prayer. When we think about what prayer really is, it's a partnership and a collaboration with what God is doing in this world and in our lives. So when we think about prayer, prayer is not twisting the arm of God and saying, hey, I've been fasting and I've been praying, and because of those things, you now have to do what I say. So we're not changing God's mind. We're not telling him this is how it's going to be because I've been praying. What we're doing is we're changing our mind. We're changing our perspective. We're changing the things that we believe and that we want in order to be in alignment and in accordance with what God wants. That's what prayer is really all about. And, and we see this when we look at the life of Jesus and his temptation. It's an interesting study when we look at it. Uh, we know, we've talked about the, um, the temptation of Christ. We, I have it all here outlined for you, so we're going to look at it. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. 
when before I get there, we Jesus knew that he had a long road ahead of him. He knew this. He he's born. He starts to study. He's 12 years old and talking to uh, people in the synagogue and teaching and preaching and all these things. He was, he was prepared for the ministry that was going to go on before him. And he knew that it was going to be a hard road and a hard battle. Why? Because he's human, 100% human. With all of the, the temptations and things that come against us humans, he knew he was going to battle them. And so he, he prepared himself. And it's interesting how he was prepared uh, because it starts in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Do you remember this? You recognize this? Jesus is walking around, and he sees John uh, baptizing people, and he goes up to John, and he says, Hey, my turn baptize me. And John says, oh, 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 wait a minute. I'm not even worthy uh, to carry your sandals. There's, there's no way that I'm going to baptize you. You are far superior uh, in, in the heavens than I am. And, and Jesus says, put that aside. I need to be baptized, and I want you to do it. And so John relents. They get together, and, and John puts his, puts his hand on his nose, and he says, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then he dunks him in the water. He doesn't say that, obviously. Uh, but he does baptize him, dunks him in the water, and, and when Jesus comes out, we see this passage here. The Spirit of God descends, lighting upon him, and a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. What, what son would not want his father to say, I'm proud of you. I think that's one of the, the most powerful things as a son that you can hear from your father is, I'm, I'm proud of you. I love you and I'm proud of you. I, I remember very vividly times when my father said those things to me. Can you imagine hearing that from heaven, going about your business, doing the things that you know you're supposed to do, and all of a sudden a voice from heaven, son, I'm proud of you. And so at this point in time, Immediately after this, what happens? Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, pyrazo, of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungry. So immediately after being told by the Father, you are my son, and I'm very proud of you, Jesus is taken to the wilderness to be tested, to be tried. This word tempted is interesting. It, it's not just about failing or, or, or human failing. It's not about being given something and then, oh, I don't know if I can do it. It's, it's really testing, right? Matthew chapter 22, but when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. And then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, same word, pyrazo, and saying, Master, which is the great great commandment in the law. Same word, tempting. He was tempted by this lawyer. He was tempted by Satan. It's essentially a test. I'm going to put you through some trials, and they're really not temptations like, ooh, you're not going to be able to get past this. It's more of, I'm going to put this in front of you because we're going to test your heart. 
We're going to test your mind. We're going to test your, your physicality and see where you are in your relationship with what God is doing. That's really the purpose of what, what the enemy was there to do. Remember what I told you at the very beginning, the very beginning of this session. What, was, what is the enemy trying to do? He's trying to disconnect you. He's trying to separate you from God. And that's exactly what these three tests were all about. Matthew chapter 4. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Jesus is hungry. <clears throat> he wants to eat. He's, he's fasted for 40 days. Probably had sips of water here or there. He's, he's famished. He's tired. He's stinky. He's hot. He doesn't want to be there anymore after all this time of communion with the Father and, and speaking with him. All of a sudden, he gets to this place where, where the enemy comes up to him and says, hey, there's some stones here. Turn them into bread. And what did Jesus say? Man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Matthew chapter 4, verse 6, and said, said an, and said unto him, this is the tempter again, if thou be the son of God, cast yourself down. And then he uses scripture against him, and he says, because it is written that, that he will leave angels charge over you. I didn't put that in there, but it's in there. I'll leave angels, he will leave angels charge over you, and they'll protect you. And what's he really battling here? He's battling this idea of immortality. Matthew chapter 4, verse 9, he said unto him, all these things will I give thee if you will fall down and worship me. He sees the, the kingdoms of this world, and right then and there, he's promised power and authority, and, and, and Jesus says, you shall not worship anything else but God alone. You remember this, right? These are the three temptations that, that come against Jesus at this time, and every single one of them was designed to disconnect Jesus from God, Jesus from his purpose, Jesus from the plan that God had for him. He talks about bread later on in Scripture. We, we hear that, bread of life. We, we talk about daily bread. We, we see all this. Cast yourself down. He talks about immortality. These are all mind games. Where's your heart, Jesus? Where's your mind? Where are you, saint, today? As the enemy tries to disconnect us, this is the type of thing that he's disconnecting him with. Matthew chapter 16. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee, but he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. I want you to recognize the connection between this passage right here and what we just read in Matthew chapter 4, verse 6. It said unto him, If you be the Son of God, cast yourself down. He was, he was testing him when it came to this idea of of bodily immortality. God's just going to raise you up. So just, just let it happen. You know, just do it. Just die right here. Just throw yourself down because God's going to protect you. Same thing with Peter. Same idea that with Satan being there. Far be it from us that you would ever experience 
this type of pain that's going to come against you. Because Jesus was telling them, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to get beaten. I'm going to get spit on. People are going to throw things at me. I'm going to get accused. I'm going to get yelled at. And, and the disciples are like, no, no, Lord, no, Lord. And Peter says, we're not going to let that happen. That's not going to be on our watch. We're going to prevent this from happening to you. And at that point in time, Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan, because it's another temptation, another part of spiritual warfare where he's saying, my mind is ready for what needs to happen in these coming days. And Peter, you're preventing that or you're wanting to prevent that from happening. So why is this so important? Look at 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist, same word, anastemi, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world, but the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after, after that you have suffered a while. Well, this is the continuation. I know it looks weird, but it's part of that scripture. But after you have suffered a little while, we'll make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. This is why we go through spiritual warfare. This is what is supposed to propel us to that new place. If we are sober, if we are vigilant, and we antistemi and steadfast in the faith, we will be made perfect, we will be made stable, we will be made strong, and it lays a foundation, just like what we saw with Jesus, it lays a foundation for those battles that we have coming against us in the future. But there is, there is work that comes from us in order for this to happen. There is a, a level of commitment that has to be in your heart when we come through, when we talk about spiritual warfare. Let's look at the next one, Ephesians chapter 4. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We've, I have talked, we have talked so much about the fivefold ministry and this idea of making perfect, not just for us, but for the saints. We talked about this again earlier, the connection of the saints and, and, and even us as, as individual contributors, if you will, into this relationship that we have with Christ. James 4, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, anthestemi the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh, draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I'm going to read one more. It's, it's not in your notes, but I, I feel compelled to read this here, if I can find it. Romans 8, we're going to read in um, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written? For your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature 
shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We talked about this word um, with the French the other day. It's the, the word uh, thinks present is the word anastemi, another derivation of histemi, anastemi. And it's, it basically has this connotation of something that's been placed purposely in front of you. I, I, I uh, attribute it to something like a chess piece. When you're playing chess, you've got all these little pieces, and you put one in a specific location in order to uh, attack, in order to, uh, to defend, in order to make a movement in another area. That's what this word is really talking about, anastemi. Things that are placed in front of you, that are anastemied in front of you, will not be able to separate you from the love of Christ. So, so what, what is this all about? Today, I, I have felt attacked by the enemy. Not, not in a tangible way where I'm, I'm feeling, uh, my leg has a tenderness, but it doesn't hurt. I'm not dying up here. I can walk upstairs. I'm fine. This thing is going to heal itself. It's, it's okay. I'm, I'm, I, feel, I feel a disconnection. I feel this separation, this wall, a barrier between what God is trying to accomplish and, and what's going on in, in my spirit, in my mind. And, and it, that, to me, is what spiritual warfare is about. And, and the reason I'm up here talking about it is because there are many people who experience who don't know what it is. And, and they think that they are in the wrong or have done something wrong um, and, and don't recognize that the attack of the enemy is to keep you from pushing forward into what God is doing in your life. There is a, there's a depression, a malaise that comes upon people, upon the saints, to keep them from doing what God has called them to do, to keep them from being where God has called them to be. It, it's a, it's a, a state of being where you think everything is okay, but it's not great, and so I'm just going to sit back and relax and see what happens. There's, there's no more pressing forward. There's no more fighting for the things that God is doing. There's a, there, there comes a time in your life where, where you're just like, you know what, everything's fine, everything's okay. I don't need to fight anymore. I don't need to fight for what God is doing because I've already done everything that God wanted to do in my life. That is spiritual warfare. That is what you're fighting against. And, and I, would, I would caution you, and I would implore you to be sensitive to that state because that's what every single one of us is either gone through already or will go through very soon. This idea that you are disconnected from what God is doing. And, and, and by extension, you're okay. You're okay. I've, I've made the, I haven't made these stones bread, so I'm just going to go find some food somewhere else. The enemy wants to disconnect you from what God is doing in this place, in, in the spirit, at your home, wherever it might be. The enemy wants to disconnect you. So I, I'll say it again. Where are you? And what are you doing? Are you comfortable? Are you happy where you are right now? There's a difference between happiness and joy. We won't get into that right now. But there's a difference between you just being okay and you really being in a place where God wants you. I, I find it fascinating throughout all these scriptures and, and many that we didn't read today that talk about persecution 
and trials and tribulations and, and all the things that the saints go through just by virtue of being saints. I, I want you to recognize that, that if you're in a, in a happy place, be mindful that you're either about to go into a storm or you've just come from a storm, but there's more coming because we see this throughout the life of the apostles. Persecutions, getting thrown in jail, all the things that happened to them. Spiritual warfare is, it's real. And it's coming for you. Are you ready? That's, that's the message I want to give today. Because as ready as I wasn't this morning, I feel more ready now having understood what the Lord is wanting for me, but there's more to come and, and there's more that I need to do for my own life. And, and we cannot allow ourselves to be disconnected from what God is doing. So Father, it, it was a short message, but, but Lord, I thank you that you are doing something in the lives of, of these people, those that are listening to this, the lives of the people in Brazil and in France and the many areas where, where we have influence, where, where we have support. Lord, across the United States, all of our, our the satellite churches, if we want to call them that, those people who have partnered with us, who are connected with us to you and are moving through the things of God. Lord, we bless them and, and we pray that you will strengthen them, that you will establish them, that you will make them perfect Father, that you will make them strong, that you will continue to lay this foundation upon which they are learning and growing to be closer and closer to you. Lord, we need you, especially in these coming days where, where our lives are going to get busy, people are going to come in and out, there's going to be contention, there's going to be battle, Father, in the, in the physical, in the carnal, as, as we as we deal with people around us, Lord, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, prepare us for all the things that you're doing, Lord. Help us to see, help us to see the situations where you want us to speak and to pray and, and to uh, be involved with. We love you, Father. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. God bless you. Um, I'll be back next Wednesday, so be ready. I'm sorry, next Sunday, because today is Sunday, not Wednesday. Um, but, but looking forward to what God has to do, has for us in these coming days. God bless you. Have a great day.